Hey, 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 welcome back to the Fundamentals Podcast, Cinematic Release. I'm your host, Jeremiah, and my co-host, Thad. Say hello, Thad. Uh, but they never say it back. <laughs> it's not about them saying it back, it's about saying it to That's them. That's true. Hello, hello uh, faceless audience. <laughs> um, today's uh, topic we're going to be discussing is franchises. Um, they have changed quite a bit since uh, since uh, we were kids, and they are much oh, more dominant. We were and now... kids, weren't we? What? Uh, we were kids, weren't we? Just like for a while. Yeah, like it felt like only two years. I don't know. I've been thinking about this since you told me what the the topic of of this was going to be, and I, I've been trying. I mean, obviously franchises have changed like we don't i don't, I don't feel like we have to make it a case that they have like that's, <laughs> but there's also that question of like what i'm trying i've been trying to figure out like where that starting point was because when i think back when we were kids we got like you know the 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 batmans the the, the batman uh you know your your uh your tim burton batmans is right uh and like that was like it was a series like there were two movies right. uh but I, I never really think of it when I think of franchise stuff. Even though, even though theoretically the first through line of of you know the first four Batman movies were a franchise, but I feel like almost the meaning has changed so much because of like what specifically Marvel or Marvel Disney or whatever we call them now, uh, Marvel Disney Skynet has <laughs> done to the concept. That sometimes, like, uh, I find it harder to think of what in the past would have been called franchises, you know? Well, and really, the idea of a franchise has been, like, there have been franchises going all the way back to the Universal Monster movies. Oh, absolutely. Like, Universal Monster movies is the, like, <laughs> it's so sad that they can't get their franchise thing started <laughs> because they're they're sort of the er example. Um, Police Academy, there are seven of them. Oh wow! There were they went oh, to Moscow I've... in the end. And <laughs> oh god, I forgot how far they went in police. <laughs> I'm actually not a hundred percent sure anyone other than maybe you has seen more than the first three Police Academy movies. Police I, uh... Academy Five, Miami, might be the one I watched the most as a child. I don't know why. Like, you, on purpose, or was it just always on? It was the one that was always on. It was the one that was easier to edit for television, I think. Right. And, but, like, that separate conversation, but that is, a, like, <laughs> I don't know, the difference is in how we randomly pick up crap now versus right. when we would just be like, oh, it's uh, Yippie, Yippie Kaye, Ricky Martin, or however they, they edit Die Hard for TV. Uh, uh, Yippie, what was it? Yippie Kaye, Mr. Falco. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those of you yeah. listening at home uh, a friend of ours saw Die Hard on television while on a road trip and they edited it out instead of saying John McClane's classic line yippee ki motherfucker the line was edited out too yippee ki Mr. Falco <laughs> you know because of the, the classic Die Hard character Mr. Falco <laughs> <laughs> um but no, like the way we watch movies has changed, and so I think franchises have had to adapt to how we watch movies. Yeah. Because the idea of serializing a story, that's as old as radio. 
You yourself that's, know uh, this. What's your that's obsession a, that's with as old as That's as old as stories in general. <laughs> like... Is a, is, we're pretty sure that, that like, Beowulf was... Oh, no, it's just going to keep getting longer. We're going to keep doing it. It's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he kills he kills a monster. But then next time, there's a monster's mom. Stay tuned. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure that Beowulf is the first uh, franchise. We just... By the time it came out for us, they packaged it all at once. And, right. and you know, we're... <laughs> I think starting with Marvel's... Iron Man. Well, I, you may be able to make a case for Sam Raimi's Spider-Man or um, the X-Men by Brian Singer's X-Men. God, the X-Men. I, X-Men is a, an interesting case study in its weird spin-offs and reboots and, and things. Like, I wonder a little bit how much X-Men is going to be sort of predictive of what Marvel might eventually start doing right. if when they run out of steam. Well, and the, and the story of the uh, cinematic universe of the X-Men is actually quite like the uh, comic books in which it's really kind of screwed up. <laughs> like, it varies from movie to movie, just like the comics sometimes. And, and at the and same that's... time, you're never really lost going in. You understand what's going on. Well, Well, as much as you X- can with okay. the X-Men. <laughs> uh, but, oh, the but, X-Men is just fascinating. With the Marvel franchises as they stand now, with franchises as they stand now, there's a sort of required homework you have to do before seeing the next movie. Or at least that seems to be what they hope we do. Right. I mean, in a way I mean, that. For, for me, yep. I will already have done that homework. Right. But it seems more and more that they are either expecting or actively attempting to warp every movie watcher into what I have been all along. Right. Which is not probably a good thing. <laughs> well, it used to be like my my desire to watch RoboCop three was not hindered by the fact of not seeing RoboCop one or two. No, uh, that's <laughs> which amazing. is odd. I want you people to understand there used to be a time where you could see the third or the seventh one in the series, and it didn't matter you didn't see the other six. Well, you no, could I would just argue you'd like. Along. Yeah, there's. You could look at, like, my, my favorite example of a sequel uh, forever, which is, of course, Spider-Man 2, that <laughs> doesn't even... And to a certain extent, you could also... You can kind of extend this to Empire Strikes Back, actually, but it also... Um, it was just repeating what the, the first movie did with the opening crawl. But right. just like Spider-Man 2 has the greatest setup of all time because they have beautiful Alex Ross paintings that tell you what happened in the first movie in case you were one of the three people who didn't see Spider-Man. Exactly. Uh, and and you could just sit down and watch this movie and watch Peter Parker be miserable, and it was great. Well, and those movies, unlike the the way franchise, franchises are structured now, even the Raimi Spider-Man movies were self-contained. Right. The story, yes, they told you what happened in the previous story, but I rarely bled into the story they were getting ready to tell. Yeah, in, fa- in fact, it's it's kind of, I think, it makes sense that comic book movies are the ones leading the charge on this because this is what like com- it, this happens with comic books in cycles constantly like the 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 bloat and the attempt to like connect all these stories together with guest appearances and then huge crossovers and and whatever else uh, that like the, it, it's what sort of makes me worry in the long term for the, the, the like superhero franchise model. And I mean, granted, you know, and anyone who really knows movie history knows that like gangster movies were the biggest thing in the world and then they went away and, right. and, and 
because they're the biggest thing in the world. They went away. And most of these but, things enjoy a heyday of a good decade or so. Yeah. And this, this has been going on for, I God, I think over 10 years now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Iron Man would have been 2008, wouldn't it? Yeah. God, that was a good summer for movies. Yeah. So, okay, so we're coming up on a decade. Which I mean, not not maybe not coincidentally, we're also coming up on on their the sort of Avengers three and four seem to be being talked about by people in Marvel as as kind of the the culmination of this, right. and there are the, the sorting sort of floating question as to what that means. Well, not only that, but unlike the other franchises that we've talked about, the Marvel franchise and in a in a extension to DECU Warner Brothers franchise, there is a build-up to a specific plot, a specific right. story. Like, I mean, I mean DC, wanted to, DC wanted to start at the 50, like, uh, I'm going to mix metaphors because I don't know sports. They, they wanted to start, like, at the 50-yard line or, or the 25, <laughs> I don't know. They, they wanted to start without doing the groundwork because right. their, their first, like, their Batman versus Superman, their first big push was like, let's just do the Avengers now, right. even though we've only done one movie. <laughs> Well, like, and to some degree, like, that could have worked had the movie been good. Yeah, lots of things could have worked if the movie had been good. <laughs> but, like, okay, the Thin Man. There were, like, four or five Thin Man movies. Yeah! Oh. For those of you who don't know, the Thin Man movies are a series of movies with uh, William Powell and Myrna Loy based on a Dashiell Hammett book. Basically, they were the prototype for the millionaire detective, husband and wife detective team. And they were just obscenely charming. Oh my god! Just painfully. But each Thin Man movie wasn't building up to a larger mystery. And I, I think this is something that, like, yeah, that that self-containedness is something that that superhero movies go a really hard back and forth with, right. and so do comics in some way. Like my most of my favorite comic book stories are ones that are not connected to any else, anything else. None right. of my favorite Superman stories are like big crossover events. And if anyone and if if there's anyone whose favorite is like the death of Superman, you're a bad person. You you are <laughs> you're, you're broken inside and I'm sorry. <laughs> I read the death of Superman back when I had what was I it wasn't a fever but it was like I I've never read Stephen King. It's actually the stand, best way to read but it. But the disease that spread throughout the world, I think I had that. Because I was there yeah. for like two weeks, and I read the death of Superman and the return of Superman, and it affected me because I was in a fever state. <laughs> See, it affected me because I was like, you know, ten. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but no, the first comic you ever gave me, I think you were the one that got me into him was Spider-Man Blue, and that's just self-contained. Exactly. Uh, but even Spider-Man Blue is relying on no, having some prior knowledge of Spider-Man, Gwen Stacy, and, and the, the cultural mythology of that character. There's, um, and, and, I don't necessarily, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I actually think relying on the mythology to get us rolling, as in, for example, say, Spider-Man, right. uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, specifically. Like it, it's, it's, I think, a Marvel movie that did very well at just letting us get into the movie. Exactly. Um, uh, as, uh, as just a way of, of not only is not only are Marvel movies part of, of cultural mythology in a way that, that it's not really, it's not ridiculous to assume people are going to know what's going on, but right. Spider-Man is Spider-Man. We know Spider-Man. He's having a rough time. That's, that's his deal. Well, and even then though, they did set that up with civil war. True. 
Uh, but you can have not seen that somehow. I'm told, like it's me- it's medically possible to have not right. seen Civil War and not really miss out on that much of Spider. Although they, although they do ne- make all those nods to like, oh, Captain America's a war criminal right. now, <laughs> but also I'm making Cap a new shield. Wait, what? Right. But um, well, Spider-Man: Homecoming did a very good job of doing an origin story without going through all the beats of what we've seen an origin story do. It was very much in the same vein as... I'm going to mention a movie that we both adore beyond reason. Uh, very much in the same vein as Buckaroo Banzai. Oh, oh, you mean one of the greatest films of all time? I mean the cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> the brilliant, the, the the shining pinnacle of cinema that is the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the 8th dimension? The culmination of cinema itself into one movie, Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, 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 no, uh, it's, there's the, the combination of absurdity in that movie with a self-assured absence of explaining so much of it, like creating a lived-in world, uh, what's that watermelon doing there? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you later. Um, you just have to go with it. Right, it's, it feels like the second or third episode of a series that you can't find the rest of. (laughs) Well... And in Spider-Man, when they review, reveal MJ, it's nice because you don't have to know who MJ is. Yeah, not really. Like, it's it's one of those things that fans are like, ah! Right, Actually, if you fans don't know are probably who MJ like, oh, we're going to predict like... this because we've been arguing about it on the internet for the last three years. <laughs> but, like, if you don't know who she is, it's like, oh, okay. That's that's cool. <laughs> we know we know something's coming eventually. Yay. Right. But um, there's a husband and husband reviewing team, Alonzo Duvalde and Dave White. They have their own podcast, Linoleum Knife. And Alonzo Duvalde is a comic book person, and Dave White is not. And he has Alonzo explain to him the post credit sequences. Uh, and I myself need those explained sometimes, because some of those are deep cuts. Yeah, well, hell, the 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 one at the end of Avengers was a deep cut because unless you're someone like me, in which case I'm sorry, but who is Thanos at the end of Avengers? <laughs> you like, had to tell is... me who Thanos was and what the line meant. <laughs> yeah, like okay, well, that's like that 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 end credit scene in Avengers. In a lot of ways, it's like the beginning of so many like exasperated nerd size. Right. Because the, the, as soon as that scene is over. And your friends that aren't giant comic book nerds look to you. It's like, all right, buckle up. This is going to take some time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, and that's the thing. It's because everything is connected. And so there is a sort of feeling like you have to see them all in order to understand. And even then, like, it's connected to not just each other, but even, like, that end credit scene sort of shows they're also connected to, like, the the comics. I guess you could make an interesting parallel, I think, between, like, what the Marvel movies are doing uh, and what they do with like end credit sequences like that. And also like with game of Thrones, for example, where the text is out there and it is loved by, by many obsessive dork people, nothing against obsessive dork people. I I am one of you, but, (laughs) um, uh, and like, you know, it's being adapted. And, and so there's this, like you, you get this sort of weird street cred about the biggest media in the world. Right. Because you know that Thanos wants to bone death, literally. (laughs) 
because since we live in a misogynist patriarchal world, death is a gorgeous, buxom, pale woman. Well, I mean, the the that's more the DC Comics version. Like you, the oh, okay. the god damn it, here I go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the 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 Marvel version often like yeah, she she'll often be bux, buxom, but at the very least, she usually keeps her skull face, which I kind of appreciate. <laughs> okay, I, I appreciate that as well. <laughs> Also, um, she does not return Thanos' love. Like, he is well, a Thanos ultimate, like, creepy, obsessed uh, guy if he were immortal and largely all-powerful. Yep, Marvel is smart to play with that. I hope so. Ah, I hope so. Uh, um, you could do, real, like, ye, I don't know. I don't know. I'll stop, I'll stop about that now, though. <laughs> <laughs> but it does... It does tend to get to, like, we do have some movies within the evolving anthology that feel like they're just filler. Yeah. They don't, like, yeah, there's a story, but it feels like it was just there to take up space because they don't have the other thing ready yet. Well, I feel like we see this a lot with, um, like, Marvel didn't figure out how to do sequels until Winter Soldier. Exactly. uh, and I mean, yeah, Iron Man Two is sort of famously reviled, even though like I I don't hate it because Iron Man Two is a, weird. It's there's just a bunch cool. of really charming actors in it. I can't hate it. It's got Sam Rockwell. Uh, and what I'll I'll be there. I'll be there for you, Sam. Just invite it's, me over, and a, I will. It's a I'll really good movie. It's just not a great movie. Yeah. Uh, and but but like the Marvel sort of momentum got them past that. Also with with Thor: The Dark World, which again, I love the Thor movies. To an obscene degree, um, the first Thor movie, and this probably will get me like punched by a random nerd someday, is one of my favorite Marvel movies. As well uh, as it should be. It has Natalie Portman and Kat Dennings, and oh yeah, Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> yeah, and it's directed by Kenneth Branagh. How? What? Oh god. Uh, okay, but um, and not it's, only that, but they run over Thor like two times, so that's fun. Yeah, and it's just absurdly Shakespearean uh, in its, <laughs> really, in its especially with the twist. I love it, <laughs> um, but but I I recognize that outside of my fixation on on like Thor and Thor two, like Thor two was was not super well put together either. Like right. it, it, it it suffered from the Iron Man two problem. Like they they had their thing started and they knew they where they uh, they they seemed to know where they want to get in the far future, but they didn't really know what they wanted to do to set up for it yet, so they kind of had to fill time. Right, like, there's a, there are points where they have to do so much introducing of things just to get the thing started, that it sort of, it hinders the story, because you spend so much time going, here's this person, here's this person, and have you met this person? And you're like, that's great, what's the story going to be today, guys? <laughs> yeah, and, and it seems to me like, I don't know, it's kind of fascinating to watch how, uh, by and large, the movies that, that anymore that I enjoy the most out of these just like in terms of going back to them and thinking about them and and all those sorts of things obviously i enjoy all more marvel movies because i am a sucker but uh, <laughs> uh but the ones that are the furthest away from the core of what they're doing i.e guardians one and two right. uh and to a certain extent dr strange although dr strange didn't stick the landing anywhere near as well as um as Guardians and Guardians 2. I, I'm just a sucker for the Marvel magic stuff, and I, I like seeing it. But, um, but you know, like, uh, Guardians and, and Guardians 2 got to be like, okay, there's this huge universe, and people know that it's a huge universe, 
but I don't know about any of these parts we're going to go to, so let's just go. Right, and they did that Spider-Man Homecoming thing where they didn't spend so much time on the origins of this. It was basically yeah. just... Yeah, the, the, the origin story that we got was the Vultures, and it was good. <laughs> um, it, was like, it was excellent. For me, I always, I'm, I'm the guy who really loves Iron Man 3. Yeah, well, it's a Shane Black movie. It's a Shane Black movie, but what I really like about Iron Man 3 is it is more interested in trying to figure out where Tony Stark is at this moment. Yeah, it's it's one of the first, maybe the only movie that re- well, no, not really, but that it's it's this amazing thing where they're dealing with the consequences of what has been going on right. in a way that superhero stories, not just movies, superhero stories rarely do. Because, oh, look, he has PTSD, and no one's dealing with it, especially not him. And he has super weapons. This is bad. This is bad. Well, not only that, but, again, I enjoy that movie, but I've seen the other two Iron movies. I've seen Avengers. Uh, I know why he has PTSD. Right. If you haven't seen the other movies, it's like, okay, why does he have... I get that he has PTSD, but what is... No, this, what... this guy doesn't seem like he's doing okay. Right. It's like, I don't know why. Why do I care? God, how many hours? Like, if you if you line them up in order, how many hours of movies would you be like su- pseudo expected to watch before watching Iron Man three? <laughs> At least eight. <laughs> oh, but uh, but again, like there are um, older people who go to movies. There are people who movies are expensive. You can't go to every one of them, so you really have well, to. This, this is one of those things that I've always been a little fascinated by. I was uh, as part of my sort of notes that I wanted to to mention was was yeah talking about different types of movie watching right because i know that i know that people exist well actually i don't know that but i i I operate as though they do because i have no way of proving it um but i i know that other people exist who just go to a movie theater in the same way that people like i don't know used to when back in like old movies just be like i'm gonna go to an airport and travel to another city uh like i <laughs> i can't conceive of it because i need to plan i'm, oh, I'm gonna go to this movie at this time or right. maybe these movies if you're making a day of it but like the idea to me and of course i'm the type of obsessive nerd person that that franchise models are trying to turn us all into right. but but like there are people i'm told who just go to the theater to be like yeah, i'll just see what's playing and figure it out there Right. Not only that, but they don't even figure out what they need to, like, they don't even have to go, well, can I afford a snack? Yeah. Like, when I go see the movies for the Fundamentals, I go, okay, I'm going to the movie. Am I seeing any other movies this weekend? No? I might be able to get a popcorn. Yeah, you, some, you, you, you can do some snack calculus. <laughs> or if I'm going to LA Live, I have enough points so I can get a free small popcorn and a free small Coke. Ah, those reward memberships. That's Ah, some of those oh. are crocs, like... LA Live. Anyhow, <laughs> because that's the only thing I can get. Everything else is merchandise for crap I don't want. I don't want a War for the Planet of the Apes watch. Yeah, well, I've never understood theme watches, but maybe Neither I'm just a I. Unless it's a stopwatch. Not a stopwatch, but like a... Oh, Do like was? a pocket watch? We gonna, a pocket watch, get... yeah. Yeah, just I, I don't think movie theaters are going to be giving out pocket watches to us anytime soon. If they wanted to, that would be that's where all the money is, I think. Well, for the distinguishing viewer. <laughs> that would get butts into seats. I'm almost sure of it. <laughs> but but yeah, like the uh the, going to movies is, like it's a it's a thing. It takes a lot of it takes a lot of time. It takes 
a, a, an increasing amount of money. Right. Well, and then when you go, like I said, they kick the can down the road. Yeah. Like, they'll solve the majority of the problems, but then, like, the big meat, they're like, oh, okay, well, we'll take care of that in the next one. Well, maybe not the next one, but at least we'll take care of it eventually. Don't worry. We'll, we'll get around to it. It will be explained. I was like, I, that is, in some ways, like, I don't know if I should be happy or worried that, that uh, uh, to use the, the constant central example, Marvel is getting really self-aware at this. Uh, for example, the end credit sequence in Spider-Man Homecoming, which, <laughs> if you haven't seen then you don't know why Jeremiah laughed just now, but um, <laughs> but they're they're getting really self aware of that, and that's either a good sign or a really bad one. <laughs> well, like Marvel, to some degree, more than the DECU, has heard some of the criticisms and was like, "Okay, yeah, we hear you. We got to do something about that." The mass destruction that actually played into the storyline and actually began to affect the characters' arcs and everything. Yeah. Whereas the DCU is actually it's like, what if I make a whole island, um, just no one's there? <laughs> yeah, isn't that cool? No one's living there. Isn't that awesome? There's no, no one going to get hurt. It's like, that's lazy and shut up. <laughs> Why would a thriving metropolis be next to an island that has buildings on it, and yet no one is there? That makes well, it's, no it's sense. A, it's, after, it's after 5 o'clock, though, so everyone... <laughs> that's the time that my... when all of the collateral damage people leave. That's, that was my uh... favorite line, is after 5. That doesn't mean anything. Rush hour is still going on. Didn't, didn't they literally pay Anderson Cooper to say that line? <laughs> is, am I misremembering that? Wasn't that Anderson Cooper? I believe Real newsman and, and tight t-shirt wearer extraordinaire? <laughs> That was a news anchorman telling everyone, don't worry, it's after five. The, ta- the casualties will be minor. Yeah, the, the a, a real trusted name in news that Zack Snyder paid to inform us <laughs> that, no, no one's dying, I, but it's really important to me that these buildings be destroyed. Well, not only that, but you you got to know if this happened in real life, some, uh, some person on Tumblr is going to write a hell of a post. <laughs> That's always going to happen. I don't know why people try to act like they can avoid it. That's what the internet is for. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is for our complaining. It's what we're doing now. <laughs> uh, um, also, with franchises, there is a sort of... The... I guess... Not so much the ability, but the... Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? You, The... The, oh god. Getting to direct a franchise movie is a big deal. Yeah. Oh, oh, are, are we gonna, are we gonna talk Edgar right now? Is that what we're gonna do? We're gonna what? Are we gonna talk about Edgar right now? Is that what we're gonna do? <laughs> we can do Edgar right. Uh, well, I'm, I mean, I'm just, I feel like he's kind of the, this, I, I know the, the like director shuffling stuff has happened a few times with, with franchise movies. I, I, I guess the, the one that's in progress right now that everybody's got wondering about is the, uh, Ron Howard taking over the the Han Solo movie, right? But and that's... to me, I think like the the limits of franchise universes are really clear when you look at the case of Edgar Wright's Ant Man, right? Where you know they brought in this director who is known for uh, yeah, just known for style. Uh, right. Like he, when you see an Edgar Wright movie, oh yeah, none of these movies are related, but it's an Edgar Wright movie, right? Um. And you can like, only it just... tell when there's only one woman involved. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is that is someone who that is someone who grew up with the media we grew up with. <laughs> uh, 
Yes, Marfette's here. We're good. Um, <laughs> Everyone's everyone is involved now. Uh, yeah, the 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 tall white guy, that's the the shorter round white guy, uh, the handsomer white guy, and the woman. Yeah, we're all we're good. We're good. Everyone's represented. I think that's that's the Benetton ad, right? Let's go. Although I mean, I'm, I haven't seen Baby Driver yet, so I don't know if 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 this has changed at all. No, um, it, it sadly okay. hasn't. There are two. There are two women, but they're really only there to be either the virgin Aww. or the whore. Essentially, and uh, oh. by the way, I should preface this by saying I I don't mean whore, and I mean like this in the, in the trope like a Madonna sense. whore complex. Right. There's the one sexual aggressive one, and the other one who is virtuous. Yeah, the uh, the, the the favorite dichotomy of, right. uh, of the 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 only two ways that women are allowed to to interact <laughs> exactly. with sexuality in movies. Um, <laughs> they can either Sadly, not know yes. what it is, or they can know all about it. Exactly. And, and and if they know all about it, they must be punished. Yeah, that's that's just how things go. Yes, that is life. <laughs> oh, oh, I made myself sad. Uh, <laughs> but but no, uh, um, yeah, I, I like Edgar Wright's sort of leaving or being asked to leave. I, I don't. I, it changes every time I read about it. But but not really like having a, a specific like universe plan means that people who are more auteurish. Or to, to to be a snob for a second and say the word auteur, uh, or or at least just very distinctive voices in their own right. Like, if your goal as a universe, as as I think we talked a little bit about last time, is if your goal as a, a making this film universe is to make everything sort of not just connected story wise, but also like visually. Even though you know Marvel's visual connection is everything's going to be these kind of muted, air quote realistic colors and. Uh, unless we're in space, um, <laughs> then then yeah, you're, then you start put, you know nudging people out who who might bring more, and that's that's you know, and this is just a successful, a really like successful and popular white dude director getting pushed out of this, like right. let alone other types of voices, which is of course why Black Panther is so like what's what's that gonna look? Oh man, so excited! I can't even process it. Ah, well. Again, it's like one of the, going back to James Gunn. Oh yeah, let's go He's back. to Sort James. of like the outlier to this whole conversation. Yeah, because like, well, it's to... also to do with because the space stuff is not connected to center. Like Ant Man is is a classic Avenger, and that right. like that that ossifies things around it. Like it tightens things up. It has to fit the mold better. Right. Whereas with you know, uh, apparently for all of their their slightly further outside movies thus far, they're they're big on horror directors because you got James Gunn for the Guardians movies, you got Scott Derrickson doing Doctor Strange, right? Uh, uh, and I mean, obviously going back to to Sam Raimi, who right. is Spider Man, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you know, maybe the the I appreciate a reliance on horror directors, but yeah, like that that not getting that freedom unless you're you're on a, on the sort of borderline like of of their their central universe right well again and it's one of the things where i remember there was a talk of like one of these days we'll be able to get people like tarantino direct a comic book movie <laughs> and i was never really like i don't think you will because i think there's too much you have to compromise too much to a stu- not just a studio vision but a universe vision yeah, because I mean, I've, as much as as James Gunn came up as as an outsider in a way, he also came up in an outsider studio. Like he right. came up through Coma, which right. it's it's weird and gross and lovely in its weird, gross, lovely way. But 
it is you know it also is you know it's it's part of the system even if it's a rebel against the system as opposed right. to like Tarantino like oh I'm I'm gonna reference French New Wave and I'm gonna do my own thing right out of the gate and and like all that sort of the, that other sort of approach right well, I, like yeah. he like he he worked with Milmax a lot of times but at the same time it was like he called the shots right uh and and getting getting someone to cede that power to the people who are in charge of the brand. But is a big ask for it someone. Really is. For someone um, who does this as their life, which is sort of like the almost the opposite with the as we discussed last time a little bit with the DECU, which Zack Snyder movies was Superman, Man, uh, Man of Steel, and Batman v Superman, and even if it looks like with Justice League, they all look and feel like Zack Snyder movies. Yeah, they look like the like you could watch three hundred right before watching any of them and be like, no, yeah, I see, I see this. Uh, with Patty Jenkins, he's, this is only Wonder Woman's like what her second or third movie. Yeah, it's so I like her style isn't like as well like defined as Snyder's, simply because she doesn't have like that type of style. Right. And the other one is David Ayer, and Suicide Squad was many things, but it was not a David Ayer movie. No, no, it was not. Because every now and then I remember that it was made by David Ayer, and I call myself a liar. No, <laughs> and no liar. The DCU seems to be taking the cue that what Marvel isn't, because Marvel is hiring television people. Yeah, and what that allows them to do is get people who can tell a story within very constricted uh, confines. Like they, television people can. Tell a story all on about time, under budget, like, in yeah. the middle of a longer story, and without actually knowing what else, what else is going on. They just need notes of what they have to do and can't do. I mean, yeah, if you if you want to look at, like, franchises and, oh, the big thing is coming later, like, look at, you know, look at the nerd TV that, that we obsessed about back in the day, your your, your Joss Whedon shows of right. varying drama. Well, and even then, though, again, there was the cliffhanger, but the cliffhanger was just a setup for the next season. Right, it's the, the majority, the if not all the questions were answered. That are now years apart. <laughs> right, but no, like getting back to Black Panther, though, this brings up another point in the fact that most of the people getting to tell the stories in the franchises are white heterosexual males, with the exception yeah. of Patty Jenkins and Ryan Coogler. Yeah, pretty exclusively. And this also leads to the fact that the franchise... And also, I think Zack Snyder counts as, like, five to eight heterosexual males, just as one person. <laughs> so, like, because he's he's the... super straight. It's important we all know that. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, like, the franchise, the world building, while it is expansive, is also incredibly limiting to who it's trying to market to. Yeah. Uh because especially like once you you know they're locking into this decade long arc and that means you're not like you're not going to change direction in the middle of the road by and large right. like getting i mean we're near the the end of of the sort of i mean whatever the ending me i mean i'm sure it'll just lead to to whatever the next thing is but but you know we're we're heading towards the the pinnacle of like all the infinity stone stuff they've been setting up forever right and like only here, while that's getting ready to to do whatever it's going to do, are we starting to get you know Black Panther uh, right. finally and like Captain Marvel on the on the horizon. Um, 
Well, and I wonder if this is because, as we talked about a little bit before, is this because of the competition that's actually starting to build with DECU? Because the Zack Snyder movies and Patty Jenkins, there is representation much more so than in Marvel. Although Marvel's going to basically balance it out with uh, Black Panther because that is a, from from what we can tell, a Afrocentric movie with a largely African-American cast. Yeah, it is sometimes. going to be probably the blackest comic book movie ever made, which is a good thing. Sometimes I just sit around like thinking about the costume design for that movie. Well, yeah, not only that, hopefully it even uh, helps usher, into, usher forward a new wave of Afro, uh, Afrofuturism. God, that would be great. Oh, my God, that would be uh, But I mean, there's also, there's also the fact that even as fawning as we are over Black Panther and, and, and how it, we're hoping it's going to be, since, I mean, again, Civil War set up not just Spider-Man, but also Black Panther. Right. Uh, God, just the casting of both of those leads, super, super great. Kevin uh, Bowman, uh, by the way, did not get the love he properly deserves. A man has turned in, if you've never seen Get On Up, his performance as James Brown is amazing. It is a it is a movie. I hope that people go back and watch after they see Black Panther. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, that guy that guy should be a movie star. Uh, he should I, be, I, and the fact that he's that. not angers me a little. <laughs> well, I think I think it's probably because Will Smith still exists, and I don't think we're allowed to have too many um, black movie stars anymore. Uh, ah, as, yes. as I recall, because uh, because Will's still here and Denzel's still here, so um, apparently the positions have been filled. Uh, we have a new silver. The 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 breaking the mold. The love. The well, men, that's that, I'm not well, I mean, saying the other it's great or good. Uh, I'm saying there's at least more than two now. Yeah. It well, used to be just thing... Sydney Poitier and Denzel Washington. <laughs> True. Uh, the the thing though, uh, you know, about uh, is even with Black Panther coming up and all the great like voices that are involved in it, uh, it's still its own separate thing. Like we got right. a little of of Wakanda before. But until we really get, uh, until we see that this is not only uh, a movie that they're willing to be like, let's have black folks tell awesome sci-fi adventure stories based on a character that was still invented by like the white, like uh, the the the, the uh, Jewishest guy in the world, like the the whitest Jewishest guy, uh, <laughs> or, or or whatever combination of those. I, I'm. I'm al- I- I'm always sure I'm going to say something wrong in that regard because of the weirdness involving race and culture, uh, especially to the history of Judaism. But the important thing to know <laughs> is that Jack Kirby killed the hell out of some Nazis, um, <laughs> which is fine because there's no such thing as a good Nazi. <laughs> there isn't. You can kill as many as you want. It's great. Um, but but like uh, the 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 problem is of course like we don't know yet how Black Panther will be part of the universe right. because they make Black Panther even if it's a, even if it's as amazing as I hope it is even even if it, everything that the trailer promises comes true in that like Guardians of the Galaxy way where it's even better than I want it to be that would be right. swell we don't like if the rest of the universe around it is still exactly the same right. then I mean it's then it's it, it doesn't mean that that the Black Panther isn't isn't great or whatever, but like, what does that mean? That like, <laughs> oh, oh, this is the black one. Is right. this what we're still doing? Is this what we're still doing? Well, um, and this is what the DCU is sort of doing a better job of integrating everything because you have Jason Momoa as Aquaman. I'm really interested to see how that turns out. Yeah. Ugh, I and don't. Have, oh, get hopes up. Um, I forget his name. Ezra Smith. The, the, the Flash the guy? Flash. Yeah. 
I probably have that name wrong. I don't have it written down. I, I'm not going to call you on it. <laughs> but he is openly gay. So, and then you have Wonder Woman, and then we've talked about Perry White, and then just the amount of representation in the DCU, DCU cast alone is already more than anything Marvel has done up to this point. And I'm not including Black Panther yet, because that's not out. And I, I do appreciate the fact that, like, they could have not said anything uh, in Wonder Woman, but I appreciate the fact that she she had the talk with Steve and informed him that men are actually superfluous to sex. Right. Uh, well, I'm not, like, I wasn't expecting them to be that straight-faced about it, and I kind of did. I really appreciated that moment. Not only that, but there's a scene in Wonder Woman when she talks to the, uh, when she talks to Chief, and we talked about this before, yeah. it's like, why aren't you at home? It's like, I don't have a home. My home has been taken from me, and my people have been driven off the land. It's like, well, who did that? And he just mentions Steve. Like, These people. The DCU, at least with Wonder Woman, is not afraid of going, yeah, no, things happen that we're not going to ignore. Yeah. And I mean, like, you can ma- you can make a case that like a lot of Tony's arc is about how he's uh came like he's a weapons maker, but right. even then, it feels like it's just used as set dressing a lot of the time, like well, uh, to, to to propel Tony forward into his like further pathos, as opposed to be like no, like a like a lot of people are dead because of stuff you made. I don't know if we could maybe we should linger here a little longer. <laughs> well, with Spider Man Homecoming, they do a very good job of. Everyone that the Avengers and all the other uh, Marvel superhero movies have been about, they've been fighting these huge either gods or megalomaniacal maniacs. Yeah, like I was, I was, having, this, I was having this conversation uh, with, with my known associate the other day about right. Marvel villains because it's a favorite topic. And like, uh, as I was just saying, I, I have a lot of affection for, for uh, the Thor soon-to-be trilogy. Right. Uh, and it has... One of the worst villains, made by played by one of the best actors, uh, Christopher <laughs> Eccleston as Malekith the Accursed, whose <laughs> whose motivation is literally, you know what, you know what, I liked it better before the universe existed. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's that's his arc. <laughs> and, and like, and then we we flash forward to Spider Man uh, Homecoming, where it's like, I mean, Keaton, ah. Oh, Oh, well, not just like the people that he he goes up against, but not just the vulture, but like just bank robbers, yeah. arm stealers. Like just the, he goes up a against a guy whose bicycle was probably stolen. Is this right, anyone's he bike? Just, he goes up against like everyday workaday people. And he he's Spider Man's right. Whereas Captain America, uh, Iron Man, uh, Black Widow, even Ant Man, like they all fight. It's all like terrible science danger. Right, like the, the like you can with Spider Man Homecoming, there was an attempt, I think, to just like yeah, no, Spider Man lives in the actual world. You guys live in like a almost a different universe. Right. It's Spider Man's the closest to like the um like Netflix Marvel level of things that we've gotten in a movie. Right. Well not, not in terms of like maybe dramatic pathos, because I d I don't think Spider Man is coming up close to jessica jones in terms of how dark what it's dealing with is no. but but still I, like that dealing with people who are just sort of they're not threatening the universe right they I aren't will they are argue that jessica jones in my mind is the first 
comic book media thing that wasn't a first comic book inspired show or movie that actually had like an artistic value to it. Yeah, like, I, I think I might go it, it on. Had a, it had a thought, an idea, and a philosophy, and it dealt with all the different varying degrees of it. Yeah. In I fact, know a really, lot of people the, didn't like the uh, boyfriend in Jessica Jones, the guy who went nuts, Nuke. Yeah, I was about I was about to just say like the weakest part of Jessica Jones was the world building like setup stuff for future right. like oh her she was experimented on or something maybe right. let's, let's find out next time credits credits. Well, roll. Nuke to me, I was actually like I I liked him because it was basically because he was controlled by. Um, Fuck, I forgot the character's name. David Tanner's character. The, uh, the the Purple Man. The Purple Man, yeah. His, his, his name is Kilgrave, but I was thinking Kilgrave, of him as the Purple yes. Man. It's hilarious. He was, he was controlled by the kill, by Kilgrave, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Right. And yeah, so, that's like, what he was Essentially, and what they basically say is Kilgrave rapes your mind. Yeah. And he was a male rape survivor, which we don't see a lot. Yeah, and, and he, he was, was behaving completely... a lot like men do when they are... Yeah, he didn't. He didn't really seek help. He decided to like his solution was to to lean hard back into his supposedly now lost masculine like power. Yeah, like I didn't. I didn't like the weird like drug conspiracy stuff behind it. But as far as the character himself goes, like that arc made a lot of sense. Right. Like I like the arc. I agree with you. The world, the world building is almost always going to be the weakest point of any of these franchise things because it's something that. For the franchise as we know it now to continue, they have to do. Yeah. Because again, yeah, you didn't, yeah, it didn't matter sometimes, that sometimes the police academy went to Miami. You didn't need to know that in police academy two they were in Detroit. Didn't matter. <laughs> they didn't <laughs> the have story a lot of was they went to Miami. Wait, are you telling me they didn't have a lot of dramatic flashbacks in Police Academy Seven? <laughs> no. Sadly no. <laughs> Taco Bay could have provided them all. <laughs> Uh, but this does get into like the creativity of the thing of when you are bound by the story that just, hasn't been written yet. Yeah, you, I mean, they're serving so many things because there's the there's the long arc, like from start, like because because the first long arc was the arc two Avengers, which they they put together pretty well. Right, uh, that was almost by accident. Yeah, and then then it expanded. And now it's like the arc to whatever's coming in like 2020 with Avengers 4 that will be the pinnacle of their their universe thus far. Right. Uh, and then like, so you have this, suddenly you, you have this broad outline that you have to fit everything in. Well, and not like, only that, but it's, e- it's... even people who like Batman v Superman, because there are people who do. I've I've heard... Even people who love Batman v Superman would tell you the weakest part in it, part in it is when Diana was is the, looking at the little videos. Was, was, Bruce, was Bruce Wayne downloading like trailer snippets for Justice League? <laughs> when you have to sit and watch why, literally why just did, three hey, fucking hey, trailers uh, for movies they haven't even written yet. Hey, Jeremiah. Hey, um... Why did why did uh, why did Lex Luthor have symbols made for each of, of these characters? And clearly... secondary question: Why are the symbols that he made probably going to match the costumes that they didn't yet have when Lex Luthor put those symbols on his flash drive? Because why is that? 
First off, you're, you're acting as if Lex Luthor was any kind of a character outside of, like, you know, just a string of random emotions that they let Jesse Eisenberg have I feel have like the conspiracy screen. theory that, um, that he was playing uh, a parody of Max Landis. <laughs> okay, because, so now that I'll buy. I'll buy that. <laughs> because I, I kind of see it. <laughs> like, Does he I don't know. Max like, Landis, I, though? Does I, he I, have, I, like, I, a hate I, boner for I, Max I, Landis? I, I like Jesse Eisenberg. I want to know what happened. <laughs> uh. But yeah, no, like, um, when you go in, because you even hear about it in Star Wars, um, yeah. directors having to talk to other directors, do me a favor, put this in your movie. It says, I need it to set up something I'm doing. Yeah. And they basically have to. So they have to. Well, just them, like... When you do any kind of story, as, you, as a writer, you know, when someone goes, hey, uh, you're done? Yeah, okay. Um, can you just find out where to put this little scene right here? Why? I needed a setup for a story I'm writing. Yeah. But that, uh, I, I kind of have everything you know, planned that's out That's also, now. like, that is comic book universe stuff. Like, but, that's... They're, they're straight up taking the way that, like, big crossover things work in comics and just pasting those structures into film with some up-and-down results. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> to, to be charitable. But, um... Yeah, uh, well, I mean, also, the, like, you, you even see, like, they try to, to, to sort of, I don't know, the way they try and encapsulate that, like, with uh, the the teaser at the end of Thor The Dark World that connected it to Guardians because it introduced the Collector. Right. Um, was directed by James Gunn. Like, the sometimes the tag scenes will be directed by the other directors. Right. I guess maybe, maybe to, I, like, I, I, I'm, I'm super curious about that choice. Is it, like, so that they're being a little bit less like, hey, shoehorn this thing into your movie for us. Uh, right. And so instead they're being like, no, we're just going to have this other director make like a thing, and we'll just drop it in here at the end. It's fine. Well, and it's funny because we've, we've talked about television. And we've yeah, talked I mean, about I'm... Jessica Jones. And it's one of the things where the Marvel television universe, even though the Netflix part of it is supposed to be a a universe. It never really feels like it because yes, we these characters have at one point in time been in the other show. Mm. Actually, no, no, actually, outside of um, Claire, Luke Cage, and Claire, mm. really the only ones who have been in each other's show are Luke Cage, Claire, and Jessica. Oh no, no. Also, um, uh, the 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 lawyer uh, Hogarth. Oh yeah, um, yeah, Hogarth. But like, it doesn't feel like a universe. Who, by the way, was the only uh, moment I like really enjoyed in, in Iron Man. <laughs> like she actually, she was actually a, a welcome relief from just random bullshit. Just her Sorry, swaggering. Iron, Man, Iron Fist, but yeah, no, Iron. I, I'm going to tell you right now. I never made it past episode three. Ah, oh, I made it to like I, I want to say like four or five. And you know me, <laughs> I, I, it's painful. For, I'm admitting this on a recording, and that's. I love Iron Fist. Like, not the show. The nod, right. the show. But, like, I, I love his dumb kung fu exploitation bullshit. Like, right. I, I do. I do. But, oh, the show is so bad. I, I want they you to know I sat they through... one thing I couldn't finish. <laughs> I sat through five seasons of Smallville. All right? Five seasons... By the way, I, as you know, Superman is what I have instead of religion. And <laughs> I only made it through, I think, season four. <laughs> and I couldn't even make it to a past episode three or four of Iron Fist. That's how bad it is. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I to be fair, ooh, 
Ew, this is a bad sentence. <laughs> to be fair, Iron Fist. Mm. Oh, sorry. Um, I wonder how much... You know, Iron Fist would have looked way better like 10 years ago. <laughs> it would have. Like, like well, think about it. Because really what, what Netflix Marvel did is they shot themselves in the foot. And this is another thing about the, like, the franchise building. Is who you stand next to matters. suddenly is a huge determiner of your quality. Right. Uh, because like if if I had seen Iron Fist in like the early two thousands or the late nineties on cable, right. it would have been completely normal. <laughs> it might have even been high. Yeah, yeah, it, it might have been, been better like, than high... the uh, Captain the uh, Flash show with Mike Hamill uh, from the nineties. <laughs> so you're like, okay, so they're stepping up the game. That's good. Yeah, but like you can't like that's the problem when you change the game is you change the game now. You right. have to stick with doing better. <laughs> well, it's kind of like when Ant-Man came out. And they got Peyton Reed, I believe his name is. Who yeah. was a very competent director. But Ant-Man felt like a movie that should have been made and released at the beginning of Marvel's existence. Because yeah, it had, did. By that time, we'd had the Avengers. We've had Silver, uh, not Civil War, but Winter Soldier. Uh, <laughs> we've seen the best they can do. It would have made perfect sense for uh, Ant-Man to come out. When? Around the same time as Iron Man 2. Yeah. Because it's also got, like, it, it has that connection with, like, old Stark stuff, like, right. that his father was doing. And it also has that, like, uh, yeah, just, just that connection to the fact that there's this, like, secret old uh, dudes were doing stuff with superpowers back right. in the day. That, that would have been a good go. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, it, it, like every once in a while, when you have a dud, it's going to feel more like a dud simply because you've raised the bar so high. Which is what the the opposite problem the DCU had, in which they had raised the bar <laughs> they, so low. They, they drug themselves just down into the mud, <laughs> and then like Wonder Woman got to walk over them. Well, it was like Wonder Woman. I honestly, there was there was a conversation uh, that when before Batman v Superman came out, it's like it doesn't have to be great; it just has to be good. It wasn't <laughs> even watchable. Wonder Woman was like, man, it has to be great for so many reasons. It's the first female superhero movie because it's it's woman-led new world order all of the judgments are going to be harsher <laughs> right and it's the fourth one that had I me mean, come on you've had three strikes now um this is a, like i said it's the fourth woman uh, woman-led superhero movie since they started the franchise building so this <laughs> is really like there was a lot of pressure on it and it hit a home run almost Effortlessly, it didn't feel like she was trying. <laughs> right, the only the only time it started to drag was at the end when it started to feel more like a DC movie again. <laughs> right, but even then, it felt like a good DC movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, obviously, I like we sat around and being like, here's how we would have rewritten not just like the dialogue in that last fight, but the entire structure of it because punch fights are boring and and right. Ares been like a body hopping like horror of. Like war possessing what like yeah fine no okay he he makes an armored suit all right fine with Wonder Woman there was one point that I was conflicted with and spoilers 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 when she when Steve Trevor first says goodbye to her yeah you don't hear what they say and I was like oh my god are they that would be pretty pretty awesome if they if we have to just guess what they said. And then they tell us what they said. And a part yeah. of me was like, ah, oh, crap. I really wish they would have. But then what they said was so good, I was like, I'm kind of torn. Yeah. Like, the, which is a, which is a good situation. Part of me would have loved it more. But, in. 
Hmm? When you are shown the thing and the thing actually lives up to yeah. to <laughs> what you hoped it was. I was like, oh, okay, that's that, that's very rare, by the way. So don't think you can do it. Uh, but uh, yeah, oh, god, I need to see Wonder Woman again. <laughs> I do. I've seen it twice, and it's just as good the second time, but not better. Well, I'm uh, I'm I'm actually after after we're done today, I'm gonna be heading out to see Valerian. Is oh, my... I hate you. I have to wait uh, for Friday. Yeah, yeah, I'm a monster. Well, I, well, the thing is, with the, speaking of adaptations and and franchises and things, like uh, f- the the inspiration for for the movie Valerian is this like long running French graphic novel series right. that I somehow had missed until someone <laughs> introduced it to me in the last couple of years. Which for like I don't I'm I'm not like the uber knowledgeable comic book guy, but I, I know you know I, I know some stuff, right. and so so I, I introduced this really recently. And not only is the story that they're drawing this from, like, from well into, like, in medias res of this universe, like, right. these characters are, are already going. But the thing that worries me a little bit is the story that they're, they're choosing is one that actually, uh, even the, that Laureline, uh, Valerian's partner, is actually kind of the primary lead in, right. in the comic. And so I'm going to be really sad if that's flipped around and instead it's... Yeah. it's uh, I, hope so. I hope it's slow. I hope they keep it in the original. But yeah. also, the, uh, what I think it's... Well, a lot of times when people adapt old, older material, much like they did with Ghost in the Shell... Oh, God. I still haven't seen it. I'm afraid. Um, they just leave in a lot of the old philosophy when it first aired. And, so and they, we, like, we've kind of got, gone beyond that. It's less It's less an adaptation and more a copy-paste. Well, not only that, it's like, even though, yes, I know that was in the original and that was groundbreaking at the time, now I'm like, yeah, but... I have an, I have a computer on my phone now. And this is hardly relevant. This is hardly revolutionary. <laughs> that's one of the that's one of the great things from Rogue One, though, is that they still had to get the data tapes. <laughs> <laughs> that's because it's in a galaxy far, far away. Far away, far, far away. They don't I'm, even I'm, have payphones yet. I I'm curious as to what's going to happen as we see the 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 further franchiseification of Star Wars movies. Because Star Wars has always been a franchise, right. like they, you know, they were doing comics and novels and and all sorts of side stuff forever. But like that was always the thing, you know, in, in the nerd fights of old was Star Wars versus Star Trek. Like Star Wars was just these three things for right. the longest time, and Star Trek kept going and doing other stuff, and and it, it had this sort of singular, like interesting mythology of like, oh, there's, there's these movies, yay! But right. now they're now it's it's warp, like you know, the the prequels happened. I think right. I I don't remember very well, but well, um. Even with Star Trek and, and, and Star Wars, Star Trek you know, was always much more episodic than Star Wars. Yeah, uh, but now it's it's becoming a uh, well, I mean, it's becoming a Disneyfied franchise. Right. And I'm curious as to what that shift is going to continue to do. Like right. on the one hand, the next mainline Star Wars movie is from Ryan Johnson, who I will follow into fire. <laughs> um, like I will, uh, if like I've just ever since I th- was it you who showed me Brick? It was me. Oh. God, that man. Okay, uh, so we gotta go. Oh, we do. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> this is the end. Uh, it's that point in time we have to say goodbye. Review and subscribe to us on iTunes. That's how we get around. Remember to listen to the other Fundamentals podcasts, like the Fundamentalists, Unabashed Book Snobbery, and Ladies First. Um, that's all for now. Say goodbye, Thad. Farewell, mysterious audience. See you guys. <laughs>